you're muted. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For tonight's podcast episode, I have Soda with me. Say hello to everybody. Hey, guys, how you doing? And tonight, we are actually doing our Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors review. This is a movie that I really love, to be honest with you. It holds a precious a precious uh, thing in my heart, to be honest with you, whenever I look at the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series all together. Because I like, don't get me wrong, I love the first one, the first introduction into Freddy, the mm. meaning of how that was created. And then also to have part three, to me, part three is the standout for me because it's very relatable with the characters. And also, too, you have a character that's into the D&D realm and stuff like that, who's actually a nerd like us. So therefore, mm. I actually relate to that character a lot more than I do any of the other characters. And then also, too, we also have a very young Lawrence Fishburne in this movie. To me, this is very entertaining. The special effects still hold up in some way. But what about you? What do you what do you love about it? Uh well, I love I love the rock and roll aspect of it because of the soundtrack. Um, and I also love that this is actually connected to the first installment, which is the last time we get that. Um, actually, it's the only time we really, really, right. truly get that with the with the character of Nancy and, and her dad. Um, so I like that as well. And I this probably has some of my favorite special effects out of all of them. Like there are great ones in the other ones, but this one as a whole, I think has some of the best amount after the first one. <clears throat> and plus, it's a good story. Um, you can relate to the kids in one way or another. Um, and yeah, it's it's really cool to see Patricia Arquette and Lawrence Fishburne, or as he's credited as Larry Fishburne in this, in some of their er- early roles, because it seems like Nightmare on Elm Street had a knack for doing that at the time. Because first movie, you had Johnny Depp, and then the, the, the third one, you have Patricia Arquette and Lawrence Fishburne. Right. So you can't go wrong with having that kind of casting choice or anything like that, especially when you look at the 1980s and everything, mm-hmm. too. Because I like how, like you mentioned before, we have Johnny Depp in part one. Then after that, it picks off with part three with Nancy in yeah. this film. And then after that, it goes into New Nightmare with, with Linda Camp being Nancy again, wanting to oh, reboot love, the franchise pretty much. But still. So would, would you consider, like, number two, briefly, would you consider that like a sore thumb in the series in a way? What, having Nancy in there? or No, no, no. no. I'm talking the second one, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. It's just when you look at the whole series, because they're all connected in one way, but then you have this one that's like right there that almost, it seems like it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit, but at the same time, it kind of does in a sense, mm. because you have Nancy's notebook. You have her diary that's that right. they're reading. So you have a little bit of a callback, but also keeping the uh, an originality behind everything. So that's something that I really did appreciate with the second film. You still have mm. some cohesive stuff that happened within the first film and then connecting it over to the second film. And, and let's not have... forget it's infamous nickname, Friday the 16th. Right. <laughs> or no, I, I, yeah. Friday, Friday the 16th, I think is what they called it because it's just so it's an overly, I don't know if it's intentional, but an overly sexualized fetish, weird fantasy movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. But with this third one though, man, I, I really enjoyed it. A matter of fact, you know, I've always liked the opening scene where you actually have um, hold on here a little bit of an echo, but no, when I like, uh, but the thing that I liked the most though about this film was the fact that you have uh, Lindy Camp coming back as Nancy. And then of course, you know, everybody's like, well, I don't really want to work with this new person, this new doctor or anything like that. That's going to tell me what to do or anything like that. And then you wind up finding out, Hey, it's Nancy. She actually knows something that's going on that these other people don't know what's going on. Then of course, we're also introduced to uh, Kristen Parker who dreams Mm -hmm. of being chased by a disfigured man wearing a a bladed leather glove. And he attacks her in the bathroom after she thinks she already woke up, making it look like that she was uh, slitting her wrist. So it goes into teen suicide. It goes into other things that, teenagers actually go through and then also too these characters are are survivors of freddie and everything mm. too but you don't know how they're connected you don't know what how they're at what, mm. what's going on but nancy knows just enough to where she you know to basically to be able to try and help these teenagers out. yeah and all she needed to hear was part of that nursery rhyme right if I remember, yeah, this one has some great special effects. Yeah. It has my favorite has to be the marionette. Yeah, the marionette one is my favorite. Yeah. To be honest with you. My favorite death uh death scene, to be honest. But yeah, you actually have where Nancy calms her down by singing the lullaby of one, two, Freddy's coming, coming for, for you. you. Right. 
And, you know, everybody's like, well, how did you know that? Well, I have experience yeah. in this. And so now it's about getting to the meat and potatoes of dissecting these dreams and trying to help these kids fight this nightmare that's inside of them mm-hmm. that Freddie's trying to get get to them because they're the last remaining kids of the Nightmare on Elm Street kids. Yeah, and, which, is, which, is, which is a great way to tie it in because, uh, like, you did, you never would have really thought about that. There might have been more parents there trying to protect their children because all you knew was, like, the core of that group. But, yeah, bringing that in as, oh, there was more of them, it's a great way to tie them all in. Definitely a great way to tie them in. And then also, too, you also have, uh, of course, you wind up have Kristen's mother who just doesn't really care about her daughter's well-being that much. If you think about it, yeah, she's put into a mental, she's in a mental institution, but at the same time, she doesn't understand what's going on with her daughter right. or anything like that because of the fact that the, the special effects with the sink where Freddie's glove, uh, gloves, oh, that was great. great. That was creepy. Yeah, I, that's... I love watching movies from this time, the 1980s, especially the slasher films, because of the um, the creativity they put into their their moments. Um, and yeah, I love that they did the stop motion thing to do the hand. It, it, it's just it's very Freddy, and it's just wow. Definitely. And also, too, another thing that I liked was the paperless Shay thing of her making the yes. house, the haunted house. That was my favorite thing on there, to be honest with you. I'm a huge fan of haunted houses, and especially grungy, dirty looking houses that are abandoned and stuff like yeah. that. And then she's dreaming about this. That's something that I really like, though, too. Is, right. Is that right. aspect. Because they, they establish her as a very strong, I guess, a tele- empath of sorts in, in right. this universe. Yeah. Yeah, because basically what she can do is she can call people into her dream, yeah. which we find out later on in the fourth film mm-hmm. and things like that. But in Nancy's dream, she's just strong. She doesn't have that ability just yet of calling other people into her dreams like in the fourth film. Yeah. But I definitely like that aspect of, oh, okay, well, if I need help, I'll just call somebody into my dream just to help. Taco says hi, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> says hi, John. He messaged me and I told him I was doing your show. I oh, talk. tell him I said hi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know i love robert england as freddie you can't get a better person to play freddie than yes. robert england you know I, I will say jackie earl haley gave his a very good interpretation of his freddie Krueger. but yes there is nothing no one like robert england in this role he is freddie exactly and then also too um there's also another thing that i want to mention too is we have different people different kids going through different things you have uh, of course, like I said before, we actually have Kristen Parker, who is basically going through suicide attempts. Then you yep. also have, of course, well, they're all going through suicide attempts is the right. thing. That's but just different are. styles, though. Too. Correct. Yes. Different styles. Yeah. Because you actually have another character that sleepwalks. Yep. That's going through some type of mental um, mental thing mm-hmm. as well with his suicide. Then you yep. also have Joey, who is a mute and everything, yeah. too. And then you have um, Taryn, who's the recovering drug addict. Right. And then you have, um, I forget the kid in the wheelchair's name. The, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. You actually have the other guy who is yeah, actually. Uh, Will. You have Will, yeah, who, Will. Tried, who tried to jump out a window and paralyzed himself. Right. Yeah. And then you have um, uh, Jennifer, who was wants to be a TV actor. And she has a pretty, uh, pretty memorable death in this movie. She definitely does. She definitely yeah. has a presence in her, in this movie uh, as well. So especially welcome to- about that scene. So you know how you have the two lines like uh, welcome to Hollywood or welcome to primetime bitch. And then there's the other line. So those are yeah. two separate takes. Robert England did two separate, uh, decided to improv the welcome to primetime bitch, but they liked it so much. They sandwiched it around the shot. Oh, I remember hearing about that. And then of yeah. course they actually added more sound into his voice mm. to make it more horrifying too yeah. so when he says welcome to prime time bitch then it uh, yeah it sounds more that. demonic yeah and i definitely like that demonic side not to mention how many times that i actually had nightmares just from that scene alone as a kid you know because yeah, i was thinking I, that freddie was gonna pop out of there me, i knew who freddie krueger was because you you at that time you really couldn't escape freddie but i never watched the movies until i was older um so this one i actually saw probably in my early 20s but it's not how i found out about the movie i found out about the so, movie if you want to bring this up yeah tell us how you found out about the movie well so i grew up uh with an aunt and uncle who liked um rock music of the 1980s because that's when they were teenagers and stuff like that 
And so I inherited my uncle's collection and I inherited some of my aunt's tape collection. And in it was the promotional cassette tape for Dream Warriors. The theme song by who, because of this, is one of my favorite bands of all time, Dawkin, who is song Into the Fire also appears in the movie. And yeah, so this was my first actual introduction to the movie years before I'd even seen it was this cover and the song. And it's always something that stuck out to me until I finally had the chance to watch it because unfortunately my local VHS stores did not have this installment to rent. Oh, wow. I, yeah. Here's the thing. We actually had this installment, of course, in our, our, mm-hmm. video, our video store and stuff like that. So of course I knew about the rock band being in it and stuff like that. And the, to me, the rock band stuff for this uh, particular soundtrack mm-hmm. and everything is just awesome to have. It, it, it's, it's right in. Definitely. Especially fits in with their element on what they're mm-hmm. doing and everything else, especially when you look at, the theme of what they're doing for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and things like that with Dream Warriors. Yeah. And it has that whole entire aspect of a fantasy world that they actually build within the music itself. So I definitely mm-hmm. like that aspect to it. And then, you know, another thing that I want to mention is this, is the fact that uh, there's all, Nancy actually is actually introduced to Dr. Gordon's uh, patient, Philip who's a habitable mm-hmm. sleepwalker, Kincaid, a tough kid from the streets who is prone to violence. Jennifer, like you mentioned before, is a hopeful television actress yep. prone to cigarette burns. Will, who uses a wheelchair because of prior suicide attempts. Like and you mentioned, one of the first people to play D&D on screen. <laughs> yes, and he actually made it look cool to actually play D&D. And I remember having that D&D set and because it used to come with like a VHS tape. It used to come with mm-hmm. other directions and stuff like that. It's not as a well-built thing that we have now, it's yeah. ju- it was just starting to get in the pot and being popular mm-hmm. in the 1980s. Yeah. And what and a great I- way to do it. Put it in one of the most popular film franchises of all time. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I liked how the role playing and then of course, you know, they're asking one of the other characters, well, what would you want? What, what would you do? Because I'm going to bed. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah. <do>. yeah, pretty <laughs> much, pretty much. Yeah, and what what I love is that in our introduction to all these characters, we are we are essentially um, given foreshadow to what they take on in the dreamscape. Like example with Will, he likes D and D. So who is he in 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 the dreamscape? He's a wizard. Taryn, she wants to be a badass. She thinks she's a badass. What is she when she's in the dreamscape? She's bad and she's beautiful. Yes, right. And then you have. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so every one of them has like you're introduced to who they are and what they will become early in the script. It's it, it's there, but you don't really think about it at first time. You exactly. Not only do they, here's the thing that I liked about that though, when they're in their dream state and everything, they're tough, they're badasses and things like that. But on the and also too, I feel like after they realize who they are in their dream state and everything, it gives them a little bit more of a courage, a little bit more of yeah. a will to fight. Because now well, they realize that they can cha- have the outcome of their dreams and help uh, take down Freddy, possibly. And also, and, and, too, and not just right. that, all throughout the like, this is something that just dawned on me while I was watching. You can blame the drugs, you can blame whatever. Um, <laughs> it, what I like is that when they're in the dreamscape, we finally see who these characters are. Because when we see them in the real world, they are um, a shell of who of, of themselves because of the sleep deprivation. You know, like Freddy's chasing them and stuff like that. But when they're in the dreams, we see who. We see their personalities. We see how strong they are. We see who the characters are. And I really like that. Same here as well, because on the outside, they're scared. They don't know what to do. And then as soon as they find out later on that they can have control over their dreams and that they are total badasses, that's where the transformation comes in of being able to probably take him down, which is something that I really liked. And then, of course, you know, another thing, too, that I want to mention is this, um, you were right about the whole entire thing about, as a matter of fact, I looked at my notes about Nancy, mm-hmm. about being able to, where basically she winds up taking Nancy and pulling her into her dream, because remember, mm-hmm. Nancy falls back into her chair, yeah. and that brings her into the dream, into her world. Which is a reverse of what we see in the first one, because in the first one, we find out that you can actually bring something from the dreamscape, or in case something attached to Freddy, into the real world, and now we're seeing the inverse of that. Right, now we're getting to see people being transferred without having to fall asleep or anything like that because of Kristen's powers. Mm-hmm. So I like that aspect. There's a new original take for it, yeah. something that we haven't seen before within the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise itself. So mm-hmm. to, actually, to incorporate that, I thought that was actually cool. And then, of course, you know, th- this is also her inside the old house and this, uh, yeah, this, this old house and everything trying to take down Freddy. And he's also a snake. 
But so that is, uh, um, well, you said you see the documentary, but they right. were talking about it. In Never sleep again. That was actually a really, a real true rotting pig. That was a real pig, and apparently it stunk of the joint. <laughs> and that and that uh, snake, they had to repaint it because originally it was pink and it looked way too phallic. <laughs> yeah, it looked, yeah. That, that's a polite way of actually saying what it actually looks like. Without yeah, actually was, that was their quote in the, in the documentary. But uh, to me, I think that it was actually perfect the way that they have it now versus mm-hmm. what they did before. Because before, like you said, it's very valid. It's pink. It's it makes it uh, stand out yeah. in a, a standoffish kind of way that you don't want to actually have. Yeah, and if they were to do that stunt nowadays, it would be CGI and it wouldn't look. It would look cool, but it wouldn't look great. Whereas this, they actually built the worm and they put Rosanna Arquette into it, and it was a mechanical functional device. And that that's the stuff I miss in my horror movies. Same here. I feel like today in horror movies and stuff like that, I feel like CGI, there's an overuse of CGI without having to use with the overuse of CGI. You don't need to have CGI to tell a good story or anything like that, especially with horror. I like yeah. good practical effects, maybe mixed in with some CGI, but not oversaturated with CGI or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And oh, I feel like that's course. what, yeah. And you know what? I like the mechanical aspect of it that you mentioned before with the snake with Freddy's head. Head. I definitely like the fact that they actually had to build this thing on set and mm-hmm. then try to figure out a way to maneuver it and stuff like that while they're trying to film. I thought it was very interesting on how they had that play into it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the, this whole entire thing of this movie is very complex, but it's complex because of the fact that the storytelling in itself that I really liked about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, Kristen also reveals that she's had the ability to pull people into her dreams since she was little. Over the next two nights, Freddie throws a Philip off the roof and kills Jennifer by smashing her head into a television, yep. which we mentioned. But and I love it. Like she committed suicide. How the hell do you commit suicide <laughs> like that? You'd have to be like Scotty Pippen to jump into that TV. Not only that, but the force alone to even if she could. Uh, go up to that TV and everything and jump on it, you actually have to put full force into your face to smack, to do that. Yeah. There is, that's like an impossible thing to do. You'd have to like get a running start and jump off a mini trampoline to do that. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That was just something that was just disbelievable. But then again, this is Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not supposed yeah. to be believable anyway. No, of course. But, but still, but still it makes like, me laugh. come on, that's a logic. That's a that's a definite leap in logic there. <laughs> Definitely. And you know, I I feel like this. I feel like maybe the doctors or something like that were under Freddie's uh, spell or something like that to where they're like, oh, you know, it was suicide. We're just going to try and cover this. You thing think up. so? Yeah, but the way that they're ignoring the kids, you think that was the case? Yeah. Because don't forget, we've seen that in it a little bit, yep. where basically uh, the it is under the under the influence of putting the spell on the parents and everything else to make them believe that you know that they're um, you know that what they're seeing is not real. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, another thing too is this that I feel like that's very interesting. That they did uh, did with this is the contortionist thing with the uh, sleepwalking. Yeah, the way he was doing it, it was almost it was like a Spider Man like type. It was freaky, freaky when you're seeing it without the, the effects. Definitely, because at first it's like okay, you see the veins pop out and everything, making it look like a suicidal gesture with uh, him cutting himself, and then all of a sudden the veins pop out and he's being contorted. Uh, with Freddie and everything being the puppeteer. Yeah. And then of course, you know, once you see him on top of the roof, Tinkade, everybody else is just horrified at seeing that Philip is actually up there. And then as soon as he cuts the cord, he winds up dying. And to me, I thought that death scene was pretty cool this to see, but also too very sad to see because of the character that dies. But the one thing I can say is each character had a purpose in this film. Of course. And they had a story arc to tell. So yeah. they're not very one-dimensional, if you think about it, especially coming from the 1980s. Yeah. And, like, for example, for Joey, 
um, the, the guy who couldn't talk, they made his that he's got a crush on a nurse. So it kind of plays well in the ability in the ability to talk because guys at that age have the don't have the ability to talk to people they deem more attractive than them. So I don't know. I kind of I kind of like that. And they tied it into his dream where he, you know, he, the girls are coming to him and she turns out it's Freddie, which Freddie with boobs, man. Freddie with boobs. Right. <laughs> that, that was a frightening thing to see because that was, was Joey's fantasy in the movie. <laughs> The tongue scene, that that yeah. tongue scene was something to Where see. She shoot the tongue out and uh, the rest. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay, this makes me not want to be with anybody for the rest of my life after being horrified with that. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I remember, like, okay, this. <laughs> but you know, then of course Joey's actually in a coma, so now they have to f- try and figure out a way to bring Freddie yeah. down because now they're now it's no longer just about them. Now they have to try and save their friend. And then, of course, they go into the whole entire aspect of the psycho- psychology mm-hmm. of hypnosis. And I like the psychology of the hypnosis thing because now they're now they're having to go in there, trying to fight for their friend, trying to help his, their friend, and being in this whole this thing of, of psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And so I like how they play off of that. And then, of course, they're like, "Well, what was your powers, Kristen?" And she just shows that she's strong, will, and stuff yep. like that. And, you know, of course, she also has something else that the other people don't have is pulling uh, people into their dreams. Mm. So that's another thing. And then Kentade is also the type of person that can bend a chair. Then you have. Well, he's, he's an overly like, I don't want to say aggressive, but he's he's got a lot of um, anger and, and, and he's got a lot of anger issues and he doesn't take. Uh, doesn't take orders from anybody, so it makes sense that they made him that he is strong and can do anything, and nobody could hurt him in his dreams. Exactly, and then you know, another thing too is that I want to mention and that I forgot all about was Kristen's mom once again with the very beginning of it, where she's like, "Yeah, is all I can say about that." Yeah, Kristen's mom is probably the most, um, just a bad parent. Out of all the Elm Street, out, out of all the parents in these movies, yeah, I'd say she's the worst. She's the yeah. worst of them all. And then also, too, uh, she goes, the, her boyfriend's like, well, where's the bourbon at? And she goes, I'll be right down. And she's like, look, we'll talk about this later. And, yeah. you know, and it's like, and Kristen's like, well, what about me? What am I going to do? And everything. So you feel something for the character. You have some connection with the character. And then, of course, like I mentioned before, she winds up uh, going into the sink and of course Freddie slits her wrist mm. but you know the the mother is just a bad parent and I won't even say that Freddie had anything to do with the fact that with that kind of spell putting on the parent or anything like that that's just no, being she a didn't need parent. It. she didn't need it <laughs> right like it, it's something like you what I love is how relevant when it comes to the um to the way they treat mental health in this movie it's amazing how accurate it still is um, through almost 30 years, actually almost 40 years later, um, because there are still parents who say, oh, she's, they're just doing it to get attention. Right. And that's all that people say, too. Oh, they're just doing it for attention. Yeah. This is just for our attention build and everything. Yeah. That's all. There's nothing going on with them when th- really you don't know. You don't haven't been into the roots yeah. of who and, they are. And the look of relief on their face when they call out Nancy and she says it's a man in a, in a, in a, uh, a dirty brown hat. His name is, he's got knives for his fingers. His name is Fred Krueger. And the, the look on everybody's face is like, finally, someone, someone knows. Finally, right. I can relate to someone. And uh, yeah, that, I think that was one of the more well-acted scenes because they both all, they all played relief very well. Right. And then they're like, well, what, what does he want from us? I don't get it. What, what, I, what did yeah. we do to them, to him, to make him want to kill us? It's not about yeah. what you did. It's about what your parents, parents did. did. Sins of the father or right. mother. And I also like how they put it into it. He goes, well, my parents never told us that. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just something that someone's going to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Here, Here's your breakfast. By the way, I killed the guy. <laughs> right. It's like, by the way, your dad and I, we decided to torch some guy for murdering other kids. And now he wants to kill you. Have fun. Here's your, here's a, here's your lunch. Have a good day now. Yeah. That's not something yeah, that much. people are going to go... Uh, and you know what I'm saying is they're not going to go in and talk to the kids about something like that from the past like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah then totally. of course, uh, another thing too, 
Um, but I really, I like, like I said before, I like the psychiatry scene. I thought that was really mm-hmm. good. The and then of course, you know, you actually have the uh, pills though to go with it. Yeah, the um, the hypnosis. Yeah. And so basically Nancy wants to try them out on Hypnosil, which is an experimental drug at that time, which plays out in Freddy versus Jason later on in the oh, God, uh, yeah. in that franchise. I love that movie. Yeah. And so the Hypnosil, and so basically this is what winds up happening. They're actually relieved of their jobs because of the fact that Joey winds up being in a coma because of the fact that Freddy Nurse wanted to kill him. And things like that. But then also, too, I liked how Freddie well, tries... Also because Freddie wouldn't release him. Right. Freddie's not going to release him because mm-hmm. he needs Joey to try and pull them into that dream yeah. state so that way he can lure them in. But also, too, I also liked how you have the Wizard Warrior. I like that aspect where mm-hmm. you have the Wizard Warrior now, which I thought it was hilarious, to be honest with you, because I feel like that character is what represents us nerds, to be honest. Totally, totally. And that's what that's what us nerds were represented as back in the day. Exactly. And so Will is like, I am the wizard master. I will take you down. And then Freddie's like, oh, yeah. Well, when you wake up, it's back in the saddle. And he's kind of trolling him and (laughs) gives him the wheelchair. That is a nightmarish wheelchair, man. Yes, it looks like more like a BDSM kind of wheelchair from yeah, Nine Inch Nails kind of wheelchair. It, it looks like if Game of if the, the Iron Throne was B at BDSM. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Most definitely. And then, you know, I like how Will destroys it because it's mm-hmm. like him saying, yeah, that's who I used to be, but this is who I am now. Yeah. And conquering his fear of the wheelchair. Then, of course, Freddie winds up. Yeah, <laughs> he. You're thinking that he's gonna be doing something to Freddy, but Freddy's just pulling him in, suckering him in to kill him. And then, as he's suckering him in to kill him and everything, that's when he grabs Will and then kills him. And mm-hmm. then it goes into the uh, the other girl, uh, the other girl where she says she's a total badass with the mohawk. Aaron, yeah, yeah. And I'll let you talk about that scene. So yeah, basically, like her her whole thing is she's a punk rocker at heart. So she's now she's just badass chick with the knives. And um, Freddie shows up and he's just like, "Oh, do you miss me?" It's like you ready for that high? And he puts up his fingers, and instead of the knives, they're needles. And then she looks down at her arms, and this is disturbing. On both of her arms are needle tracks, but they're suckers. And what? How does Freddie kill her? He stabs the needles into the suckers, and he overdoses her her worst turning back into the habit of drugs yes and it shows to show you that your demons can uh if you don't to me i think there's a moral to it in a sense with that if you don't stop what you're doing your own demons will kill you kind of aspect to it but you know freddie winds up killing her like you said overdosing her and and Mm. then of course there's that line oh what a rush But it's the way he says it because it's like it's like after somebody somebody that I oh what a rush <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then we go into the other characters with Tinkade and mm-hmm. everything too and so at that point after a couple of the other kids are dead and everything we wind up of course uh, you see Nancy she wakes up and she finds out that Joey is in a coma yeah. And then the nurses, uh, then I also like how they play into this where like the door is burning. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the nurse opens the door, the head nurse, which is the one who thinks that everybody's just killing themselves with the yeah, TV like set. Nurse, nurse Ratchet in the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series. Definitely. And so, anyway, she opens the door and everything, and she sees Joey on the ground. Next thing you know, it, Nancy is relieved of her job. And then you also have, uh, of course, Neil Gordon, who's also relieved of his job duties as well yep. because of what happened. So we have that going on. So, you know, it's like, okay, I'm trying to help these kids, trying to get to the bottom of it, but mm. now you won't even let me do that. You won't even let me do my job. And exactly. you're thinking that it's me that's doing it when it's not. Mm. But then, of course, you know, I like how Nancy's talking to jo- uh, talking to Freddie she goes, I'm going to, uh, and basically, uh, she's trying to tell him, let him go. And he goes, come and get me, bitch. Yeah. Isn't, and, that, when, isn't that when, um, he scratches it in Joey's chest? Yeah. That's when yeah. he scratches it's like, it. I wonder if he still has those scars. 
And then, you know, that's something that I was wondering about, like, even in the dream sequence and everything, I'm like, okay, you see him, but there's no scars or anything like that on his chest in the dream world. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of confusing in a sense, but, you know, let's just go with it. (laughs) Pretty much. Then uh, Nancy is, uh, so basically now Neil's trying to help her. He goes, well, what's one person that you know that could actually help help us? And of course, he's yeah. also seeing visions of the sister. Yes, yeah, none. Yes, you know who plays the sister? Who who's the, who plays the sister? So her name is Nan Martin. But if you're a child of the '90s, you know her as Mrs. Louder from the Drew Carey Show. Oh wow! Okay, that's, that's Mrs. Her? Louder. That's crazy, dude. I didn't even know that all this time. Yeah. I mean, watching the Drew Carey Show, I had no idea. That's Mrs. Louder. Yep. Yeah. That's just nuts. But yeah, the nurses over there trying to explain to him how he can kill Freddy, who, where he came from, the origin of Freddy. And I like the fact that we have now, even though it's leading into the third film, now we have a background of who Freddy is. And he, so it's to be, his own mother got beaten and raped by Mm -hmm. these um, psychopaths. Which, spoilers, we see in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child. Yes, and we also see that play out again in Freddy's uh, Nightmare in the sixth uh, film. Freddy's Nightmare? Well, not Fre- Freddy's Last oh, Nightmare. Oh, yeah, yeah, Final Friday. Uh, no, um, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Yes. Yeah, Freddy's yeah. Dead, The Final Nightmare. But yeah, we actually see that play out. Of course, you know, she winds up getting killed by these, uh, well, hi- basically they wind up hiding her mm-hmm. in this mental institution and just raping her and everything. And then, of course, she winds up getting birth to seven uh, maniacs. Uh, so yeah, just dear lord, she must have been walking funny. <laughs> God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's just one of those I had to say it, okay? But yeah, I mean, then of course, you just feel bad for her, and then after that, that winds up happening. Neil realizes what he has to do now, he has to try and find out where Freddie's body's actually at, mm-hmm. and there's no way of actually knowing. So he asked Nancy, Where do you think that you can tell me where? Freddie's body's at, you know? And so she goes, I know a guy that knows. And it's yep. supposed to be, it's her own father that that helped kill Freddie in the first place. And who who's had a massive fall from grace because when we see him in the first movie, he's a detective at the local police department. Now he's a, mul- a security guard. Yeah, and also to a drunkard. Yeah, exactly, because he's lost his ex-wife. He's lost, his, his daughter's relationship is bad. He you know, can't get a job anymore, right? Right. Yeah. But one plus side, at least Nancy came out on top of everything. Of despite course. Everything. Yeah. Out of you everyone, know. out of everyone who you think would be the most messed up, yeah, she did come out the best out of it, out of the family. Right. She came out of the best out of the whole situation, especially within the first yeah. film. But you know, you really feel for the guy, and then he's like, "Well, I'm not going to tell you where I buried him at, or anything." So Neil's like, "Let's have a conversation," and I like how. He puts everything into it he, because he cares about Nancy and cares about mm. her well-being as a colleague. I don't see him as a love interest in this film. I see him, uh, I see him, mostly a, I see him as a colleague that cares about another colleague. Yeah, that scene for me after they attend the funeral where they're having dinner at her place, it just... I know what they were trying to set up, but the way they made it look, it looked like it was trying to do a romance, but it just does it doesn't click. You're right. They do yeah. feel more like colleagues more than they do romantic as a romantic interest. Right. It just feels forced when they yeah. try to do it. It just goes to show you that some things are not meant to be when it comes down to horror films of having certain romantic interests and in other characters and stuff like that. For mm. me, it's Nancy and Neil. Neil and her just don't click. And Neil did have a little slight uh, hots for her whenever you first see her come into the entrance of this uh, of the asylum, and then after that, he kind of just drops everything and starts uh, helping Nancy out as a colleague. So I yeah. didn't even figure that there was even a connection there at all. But yeah. you know, the nail talks to the father, and then of course that's when they go over to they go to a junkyard. Uh, or yeah. no, 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 they go to the, they go to church first. Yeah, because remember they have to get the holy water to yep. try and bury Freddy. And stuff like that, and give him a proper burial in order and for the nightmares to stop. Off the wall, <laughs> right in front of a priest. Because I'll bring this back to you. <laughs> but then, of course, you know, then you wind up seeing the therapy section again, and straight talk only in this in this room. And then I like how they're trying to get to 
they're actually trying to get over to uh to Kristen because mm. she's actually locked up in a padded room. They can't get to her at all or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, they, they've they've heavily sedated her. Right. And even Lawrence Fishburne's characters is not giving her access into mm-hmm. uh Heather's room at all. Uh not Heather, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Heather's the one that wants to go in to yeah. Kristen's. I always want to Kristen. say Kirsten, but Kristen, yeah. yes. Kristen's room. And so basically what winds up happening is this. She's like, look, I really want to see the see my kids one more time before I leave. Can you please let me in? And he goes, No, I'm not really supposed to. Come on, I need to see them. Okay, but five minutes, that's it. Otherwise, it's gonna be my ass. So, you know, she winds up having therapy session again, and then that's when um, I like how they did this whole entire scene with the feathers, with the pillows and stuff like yeah. that to represent that they're actually trans, uh, transferring themselves into another part. Yeah, which is which is different from when every other time you see a character goes into a dream because it's done it's done seamlessly. Like you can, if you if you're paying attention, you can pay attention, click where it is usually. But for the most part, you're not sure whether it's real or not. Whereas this, yes, they're definitely telling you like they're entering the dreamscape now. Exactly. And, you know, I liked how everybody's there talking to Kristen, trying to explain to her, look, we're here for you. We want to try and get you out of this situation, out of mm-hmm. this room. Then, of course, you see the the walls start turning uh, boiling hot to the point where they can't even touch anything. And yeah. then after that winds up happening, then we, like I said, then you get the feathers again. And each person is in their own individual theme of where their dreams are. You have Kristen, who's back at home with the crappy mother. Yep. And then of course you have the very introduction into Kristen's life where her mother's out on a date. And that's of course, when the father oh, not the father, but the boyfriend says, where's the bourbon? He goes, Oh, we're going to go on ahead. And uh, basically this is what winds up happening. He winds up asking, where's the bourbon? And she goes, look, give me about five minutes and I'll be right down and give me five minutes. So she's talking to her daughter. Next thing you know, it, you see Freddie's uh Freddie comes bum rushing her, yep. takes her head off. Just I said, where's the bourbon? <laughs> yeah, dear God, that's just disturbing. It is, and then her head is talking too. Um, huh. Kristen's mom's talk head is talking. Just damn it, Kristen. Every single time I bring home a nice guy and everything, you always have to spoil it. And then uh after that winds up happening, there goes into another scene. With uh and everything, and I thought that each scene was actually pretty good, to be honest with you. Yeah. Do you want to talk about any of those? Um. Well, we already did. Right. Okay. So everybody, we we did it. We did it already. This what I think. What I find is funny is like, yeah, we're strong. Let's go do it. Let's meet up. They drop. They all die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they don't realize that Freddy can change things within their dream. Correct. And use their own demons against them to hurt Which them. Which he did for all of them. He did. And that's something that I really have to say that was just crazy. Um, then, of course, uh, like I said before, Nancy and the others again engage in a group therapy to reunite with Kristen. That's in my nose. And then the trio tries to rescue Joe, but is unable to defeat Freddy because he has become too powerful due to his, the souls he's absorbed. And Fre- Freddy senses that his remains have been found and takes position of his own skeleton in the yep. real world. And what is probably the worst effect in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> that stop animation healthy. was bad. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's very... It's very yeah. Mm. yeah, because at that time, Neil and also two Nancy's fathers, got they wind up finding where the bones and the remains are and everything, while all this other stuff is going down where Freddy's actually stronger than... Uh, than anything else and then of course that's when they're trying to bury freddy and then at that time when they're trying to bury freddy freddy that's when he comes to life again yeah and yeah that stop animation just is very cringy and i i know that i said the effects still stand out a little bit that does not stand out (laughs) that that is the one that has not aged it probably looked cool at the time but it's definitely the one that has not aged the best definitely and so after that winds up happening, they Neil winds up be, being uh, knocked out by Freddie with a shovel. Then you also have, uh, of course, uh, Nancy's dad who winds up being shoved into 
the junkyard into the car, making uh, and of course he winds up dying mm-hmm. because he winds up getting stabbed by a sharp object within the with the car. And yeah, then, unfortunately. yeah, and then so now it's now up to, of course, uh, Neil to try and put the end to Freddy. But then we we see another thing that plays out with the mirrors, the mirror mm-hmm. scene. Remember, yeah, Joey? It, well, yeah, where Joey, like basically, every, Freddy's about to come down on everybody. Uh, you think the end is nigh. Joey, he's panicking because he wants to say something, get someone's attention. And finally, his voice appears and he shatters all the glass, which is noticeable because Freddy is in the glass trying to get at everybody from all the angles. But when he shatters them, they think, oh, that's over. It's not. It's not. It's far from over, a matter of fact, because everybody doesn't even know what Joey's powers are up until that glass breaks. Because remember, he's actually quiet the whole entire time. Yep. And yeah, Brandy, grabbing everyone. Yeah, definitely grabbing everyone. Yeah, pretty much. And Kristen Dad dies. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, not Kristen's dad, but of course, you know, what winds up happening is you see Nancy's dad, he winds up dying. But then, of course, you see him in the dream state, Mm. supposedly. You're like, okay, what's going on over here? Why is he in the dream state? Is it because of the fact he's dead now? Maybe that he's actually transformed. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to think, right? But that's not necessarily the case. Kind of like he passed over into the unconsciousness. So... Then Nancy goes up to hit her father, and then of course that's when Freddie winds up stabbing her and then killing Nancy. Yeah. And then after that winds up happening, finally gets his revenge on the the night last of the Elm Street kids. <laughs> yeah. So now we have Neil who wakes up unco- from unconsciousness, and then he winds up burying Freddie, putting his uh, putting his body into the ground, yeah. and then trying to give him the proper burial. So first he does the holy water. Yep. And then after the holy water, he winds up taking the crucifix and putting it on his head like a vampire. Yep. And leaving the cross emblem. And also, too, with the holy water, seeing the light being reflected off his that body. You see in, in the, the dream. dream yeah. You see that in the dream world. It's like the water poked holes through him like Swiss cheese. Right. And then after that happens, he's pretty much supposedly dead. And then after that, um, Basically, you see the paper lache house where Neil is, and the light comes on to indicate that Freddy's still alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, and then that's when we get the familiar Dream Warriors theme music. Um, I just want to jump briefly into number four because it has the most because of how Freddy died and where he died. It has the most ridiculous resurrection scene where it's a demonic dog that pisses fire, and that brings Freddy back in in the in the junkyard. You're like. <laughs> Cool, but I do like even though it's kind of corny, but I like the special effects of him being brought back. Yeah, that part it's just was cool. Hmm. Right, but there is a little bit of trivia that I want to mention. Though, yes, too, I love quick. trivia. I love love trivia. So get this: Wes Craven first came out with the basic idea for the movie from a series of an article in the Los mm. Angeles Times over a three-year period about a group of Southeast Asian refugees from the among tribes, several of whom died in in the uh, theres of horrific nightmares. The group had come to the United States to escape the murderous reign of Pol Plot, and within a year of arriving, three men had died in a, died all in similar situations. The young, otherwise healthy men would have nightmare uh, would have a nightmare, then refused mm-hmm. to sleep for as long as he could. When he finally fell asleep from exhaustion, he wo- he woke up screaming, then died. Autopsy results reveal that they had not uh, died from heart failure, but simply died. It was this inability to find uh, find a cause of death that intrigued uh, Craven so much. Medical authorities have since called the phenomenon Asian death syndrome, mm-hmm. a variant of sudden unexpected death syndrome. It's called SUDS and uh, Bregda syndrome. That's, yeah, no, I, it, it's it's you hear that and I'm like, there's no way that actually that happens. But then, yeah, you read into it. It's like it's a real thing. Right. And that's something that you don't expect. And then also, no. too, that's also where Wes also got the creation of having the very first Nightmare on Elm Street movie where a bunch of people were actually dying in their dreams. So yeah. he thought of the idea of making somebody that would actually kill somebody in their dreams. Yeah, so version, of, version of the boogeyman. Right. Um, 
there's also another thing too. Oh, uh, who, who wrote this movie, by the way? Okay, so I don't know. Oh, you okay, if you're gonna okay, if you got it, cool. I was gonna actually just I just threw it out as you see if you get it off the top of your head. So Wes Craven uh, co-wrote the movie. Yes, but who is one of uh, who's one of the other credited writers? Uh, I can't think. Uh, I, let's see. It was by Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, and Frank Darabont. Darabont, that yep. Frank Darabont, yeah. the guy who directed the Shawshank Redemption. Yes, this was one of his first gigs in Hollywood. Oh wow, that's actually pretty interesting to to know that he. Of course, back in those days, though, too, like, well, we'll give a couple million to a studio to make a movie and see what happens. Pretty much, you know. And of course, it's also on the brink of basically New Line going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Too, because of the fact that they didn't barely had enough money or anything like that either. So therefore, all the effects had to be done at a certain way. Yeah, and that's one of the most that's the endearing part of of those effects. But they've always said that New Line Cinema is the house that Freddy built. Because if it wasn't for Freddy Krueger, it wouldn't have lasted. Exactly. Uh, the New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of the film, and was jokingly the, yep, the house that Freddy built. Like you mm. mentioned, uh, Heather Laningcap beat over 200 actresses for the role of Nancy Thompson among the Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, Courtney Cox, Tracy Gold, and Claudia Wells. Yeah. Uh, the scene where Freddie's arms England, w- w- uh, were achieved by having men with fishing poles on we're each doing, side we're of doing the alley. for the first one? No, this is actually it right here. Oh, no, no, no that this, was actually. No, because the kill you, the, what you just described yeah. is in the first one. Well, I'm call- doing a little bit of a callback to the. Film. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, I know I was stoned, but I don't remember this. <laughs> I'm actually sober, so yeah. <laughs> let's see. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here's another thing for Freddy uh, for Nightmare on Elm Street Three, the Freddy glove that was stolen from the set mm-hmm. of this film was found in another movie. Do you know what movie it was found in? Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. What was it? Uh, I said Jason goes to hell the final Friday because I know another uh, a glove appears in there. No, Little Dead Two. Oh, that. Oh, that's this. It was hanging on the wall of the workshed in Evil Dead Two. You're right. Yeah, released the same year. It was. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Jennifer Rubin was told by some of her fans that her character uh, Tyron had caused them to quit drugs, Mm -hmm. and the actress is very proud of that fact. Yeah, if if there's something like, um, even if you don't have a successful career, if there if you can take something like that with you, I mean, you've you've won. Exactly, yeah. and then once after a tiring day on set, Robert England fell asleep in his dressing room, still in full Freddy makeup. When he woke, he woke up and looked in the mirror, and, and he scared his own self. <laughs> yeah, that'd be quite a sight hearing <laughs> back at you, huh? Uh, Robert England admits that he knew that Patricia Arquette would be on the big star one day he also explains how all the other guys on the set were head over heels in love with her yeah between takes some of them would even go to england to get his advice on whether to not uh he thought they had a chance with her and Mm -hmm. should ask her out (laughs) yeah so yeah this was her very very first movie if not her very first acting credit was the lead in this movie Dang, that's just crazy to think about that, right? Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a reason she's won Academy Awards. Definitely, and I want to say this too. I actually got a chance to meet Robert England. Oh, cool! I actually have an autographed picture that he signed for me. And it nice. says, "To John, sleep kills." <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, Robert England is. Is always going to be my Freddy. Don't get mm. me wrong. Jackie Earl did an okay job. I just didn't like the dialogue and I didn't like the direction that they were going in at so, that time. With that one, I didn't like the stuff they tried to recreate. Like, I think that shot of where um, Nancy's sleeping and you see Freddy come out, I think it's perfectly done in the original. The CGI way they did it is, is garbage. But what I really like is the new stuff they add because it goes on the premise that was originally supposed to be in the original Nightmare of Freddy as the child murderer. Instead, they made him a child. Uh, I think they just made him a child molester. Yeah, but they made her I, made I him like a child molester. You, see, you do see what he did and who he did it to and why they're all connected. 
and exactly. said, oh, we, we, he was molesting our kids, so we decided to kill him. No, you see it. And that makes it even more disturbing. Right. And to me, I was actually sold on that aspect of seeing that because I wanted to see that actually get played out in the film. But mm-hmm. the way in the direction of how they did things didn't I didn't really care for that much. Yeah. With the dialogue and also to the repetitiveness of trying to give us Easter eggs from the very first film instead of letting it yeah. be its own thing. And that was, that was um a a popular, a popular, unpopular trope from that time when right. they would get remakes is they would try to replicate the stuff. Yeah, it's cool to pay homage to them. If you're gonna do it, don't shit on it. Like don't make exactly. it terribly and I, I know they weren't trying to make a bad movie so unfortunately it's a movie that you shouldn't it's not a movie that it needs a reboot the first one still works fine on its own exactly uh let's see tamra from two blur girls podcast robert yeah. england ruined my childhood so and then you, it kind of happened to me as well a little bit so like i said they didn't have this one in my v in the vhs stores but they had nightmare on elm street four and I don't know if you you know the kill I'm talking about. It's about the 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 mom who uh, the the one who uh, gets fed to death. Yeah, I know what you're so they had that pip, they had that image on the back of the VHS cover. Yep. And as a kid, I would go and I would look because I'm like, you 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 see the cover. I'm like, oh, this is cool. You flip it, you're like, ah! <laughs> drop it and run. <laughs> okay. So, oh, okay. I'm sorry, Tamika. I didn't know if you were Tamara or or you. So I'm sorry, Tamika. I didn't know that was you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Freddy's backstory changes a bit from each film, though. Uh, yeah, they did because originally he was just a child molester and murderer or whatever. And then, yeah, in the third one, and this is something I also noticed this time is that these iconic series, Freddy, Michael, and and Jason, all in the middle of the series have a three movie uh, trilogy. Really? Yeah, I never so noticed the, that. You have you have the um the Kristen trilogy. Well, the the Dream Warriors trilogy basically because you got Dream Warriors, uh, uh, Dream Warriors, Dream. What was the fourth one again? Dream Master, Dream Child. Yeah, Dream Child. Kristen has the power. Of the first one, she passes it to the other girl in the second, and, and the uh, that girl is the lead in the third. In um, Friday the Thirteenth, you've got the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, and then in Halloween, you've got the Jamie Lloyd trilogy. All three of them have trilogies in the middle of their series. I did not realize that. That's actually pretty cool now that you actually mentioned it because I didn't know anything about it until you just brought it up. So. Yeah, again, I was just watching the movie this time and it just one of those pop, thoughts popped in my head and it's like, oh, cool. Let's see here. Since we're on the subject of how I, we got introduced into Freddy and stuff like that, mm-hmm. for me, it was at Toys R Us. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, there was other stuff that was, I knew who Freddy was and stuff like that. And of, of course, I was still afraid of him. But there was this little doll that they, act, they would sell at Toys R Us. Oh yeah, and it said "try me," so I pushed the button, and that thing started talking. I ran out the door. Wow! And then that following night, I had a nightmare thinking that the doll came alive. Then you remember in Nightmare on Elm Street two, where he, you see a the image of of uh, Freddy in the boiler room, mm-hmm. and he's doing something, putting some wood into the boiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he looks at me. And he tells me that I'm next to go in the boiler. I woke up and sweat crying. <laughs> so that was me with, with Chucky, but I can totally sympathize with you. I can totally sympathize with so... you. Yeah. Because it, when you're a child, just the image of this burned man with, with knives is so frightening. And to think they got the idea for the makeup from a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> now, uh, let me tell you about the, pep- uh, the sausage pizza for part four. It made me not want to eat sausage pizza when I was a kid. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, some, of the, some of those moments are are, are kind of just surreal. <laughs> no, Brandy. Uh, Annabelle did not come to see me. <laughs> but Annabelle does not even scare me like Freddie does. So, that then, uh, but yeah, Child's Play also scared me though as a kid. With yeah, Chucky. But that's because my mom let me watch it when I was three because she's a psychopath. Um, <laughs> uh, Let's see here. Two Blur Girls. I think Dream Child was controversy with the Catholic Church, if I'm not Oh, mistaken. yeah, for sure, because yeah. it, it dealt with um, a, um, uh, a, num, a, num, a nun getting a raped num. And, and showing it and dealing with this whole, like, demon child stuff. So, yeah, of course, they'll just, you know, jump over anything. Exactly. Not only that, but we're also dealing with a, ner- a nun getting raped in, that, in the opening scene of Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street 5. 
So yeah, that actually exactly. caused a lot of controversy with that. Yeah. To be honest with you. Now um, also Nightmare on Elm Street 5 had was hacked and slashed quite a bit. Like they reveal it on that never uh, look never see begin documentary. But for example, the um the boyfriend when he dies in the motorcycle accident where he turns into the motorcycle, there was a lot more really cool special effects for that, but unfortunately it was deemed too disturbing, so they had to cut a lot of it out. Oh wow. You see, I would have loved to see that because here's the thing, even though number five is my least favorite, there's aspects of the dreams that I like with the kills. Yeah. I like the comic book kill where the kids in the comic book. Yes. That that's a unique, that is a really well done unique kill. Definitely. And then I also like like you said before, the motorcycle kill was my favorite. Yeah, yeah uh Dan, that was his name. Uh let's see here. I think Dream Child had a Tamika was wondering about no, it's dream- it's not Dream Child. It's um Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Uh, Rachel T- Talalay directed it, and she actually was involved in every Nightmare on Elm Street uh, in different roles, as be it as a producer or a script supervisor. And then finally, on that one, they gave her the chance to direct. And she's actually gone on and directed like a lot of other stuff. She's becoming a very acclaimed TV director now. But yeah, she that was the first female in the series was for Freddy's Dead. That's pretty cool, though, yeah. how she came up like that, where oh, she's yeah. a producer writer and then she decided oh you know what yeah. i think that we actually yeah you know and, and a- she says in the documentary that she has a gold record from the from the dream warriors single on her wall <laughs> because <laughs> she got she got she got a, a credit for it let's see dream warriors is my favorite it scares me Le- uh, the least plus anti-drug campaign to it <sighs> yeah i i, I it does have an anti-drug campaign, but I think I think it it it's the last true movie that delves properly into psychosis. Let's see but one more piece of trivia, real quick. Uh, yeah. The original premise of the film involved Freddy invading the real world and haunting the actors and crew responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. films. The idea was rejected by the studio, though Wes Craven later used it for New Nightmare in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, which is a great movie. You can see where Scream came from when you watch that movie. Most definitely, man. And also, too, I want to say uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare is probably one of my favorite ones out of, of in the uh, series franchise, though, too. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that as well. I'd say that you, as well. Do you like Part 6? I know that some people like it. Part 6 is my least favorite. Yeah, I want to say it's my least favorite. There's aspects I liked, but as a whole, mm. it was a mess. I like the idea of Freddie having a daughter, but, but it's just, it was so poorly executed by that point. The franchise didn't have any legs. It, if it, if it was purposely written this way, it would have been a scary, it would have been like scary movie. Like it's almost a parody of itself. Right. And I also feel like too, in a sense, it was too complicated to try and figure out. Yeah. But all right, guys. So tell us in the comments before we actually head out, what are some of your favorite moments when it comes down to the Nightmare on Elm Street series and stuff like that? What's your favorite memories of getting scared mm-hmm. of it? After all, this is my Scream on Screen reviews of doing these horror movies and everything. Matter of fact, tomorrow night I'm going to have The Shining on with Jet Nicholson. Which so, I still never finished. Oh, wow. I have part it's one and I have part scary. two. It's because I find... I. This is my personal opinion. I I do agree with everybody that he is a great filmmaker. I find Stanley Kubrick boring, personally. And I'm going to get into that tomorrow night. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry. That's a little bit of a teaser. Uh, So, let's see here. Did you guys see the Freddy TV show? What are your thoughts? I have not, um, but uh, that is another uh, segment in that Never Sleep Again documentary. And if I'm not mistaken, you can actually watch the episodes on YouTube. And you see a lot of not quite so famous yet people in there. Brad Pitt did an episode. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to check that one out. Yep. I watched a couple episodes of it. I just don't have, I just might have a mental block because of how young I was at that time. Yeah. So that happens. Um, Then of course, another thing too, I watched Nightmare Cafe. That was also another thing Robert England posted. And then there was also him. And also too, he was also on Star Trek. I only knew that he did V as well. Yeah, he did Star Trek, and my aunt met him at an airport once over in oh, Logan cool. because she used to be the TSA agent. She goes, "Oh, I love, oh, Freddie." That's the first thing she nice. said. Nice. Yeah, but... here's, some, here's a few of the guest actors that appeared in in uh, Freddie's um, nightmares: Kyle Chandler, Morris Chestnut, 
Mariska Hargitay, Eve LaRue, uh, Lori Petty, Brad Pitt, uh, Timothy Bottoms, Jeffrey Combs, Jeff Conaway, uh, Diane Franklin, uh, David Lander, for who those who know him better as Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley, Dick Miller, and Jay Thomas, and George Lazenby as well. Oh, wow. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Also, too, um, the other part of the story I was going to tell you, though, too, with my aunt, mm. she goes, oh, I liked you in Star Trek. goes, you know what? Not that many people knew that I was in Star Trek. Everybody knows me from Freddy. So thank you for telling me that you like my performance in Star Trek. Yeah. But yeah, I remember when he, when he did play a bit in uh, Star Trek though. But which Star Trek would have been? I need to Google that. As a matter of fact, I was trying to Google it earlier and I couldn't find it. So I'm going to have to go back and look at it. But I know that for a fact that he did play a part in it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But, You're looking for it? <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking. I'm, I'm I, you and I are both doing it too. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, except I've got the second screen I can do it on. <laughs> yeah, you can go on ahead and look that up though. But England, you know, Star Trek, but Stanley Kubrick, uh, as far as the director goes and everything, eh, he's okay. But to be honest with you, I prefer uh, Dr. Sleep over The Shining. Really, I'll get yeah. And I'll explain that tomorrow night on my review because there's a lot of stuff that I want to dive into with that mm -hmm. because I read The Shining. I read the book. Okay. And I'm going to do a comparison, even though it might be very objective of me to do a comparison from the book or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, if you read the book and then you read how, the, how, how Dr. Sleep actually ends and the way that they did it, it's actually a page by page of what they of what Stephen King did for uh The Shining for the book. Oh. Cool. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to mention tomorrow night, especially with the slow build up with Jack Nicholson's character yeah. and things like that. And also too Stephen King doesn't like that adaptation. He said it felt more like a uh motor being being started right away on a sports car with no um he said basically there was no range, no emotion, nothing there. It was just Jack being Jack. That's what he hmm. said. Yeah, no, a fair, fair point because it is Jack being Jack. Right. But still, um, overall, though, this film is very entertaining. I love this film. It's uh, the one I Dream Wars rings up there. Right. But I am going to see if I can get Frenchie on here to do a review for part four because I know part four is one of his favorites. Of course, we also did a trailer reaction to that last year. Nice. Nice. <laughs> because I think you went into the studio and watched our reaction to the trailer when we were doing. I it. think I yeah I did. That's right, I did. Because <laughs> so, you guys do it on both of our uh, our things, right? So you guys can probably catch that on um, on our YouTube channel and everything if we yeah. released it. Because I'm not sure because we were having some audio at that time. We were trying it out with a uh, and we had some audio issues back and forth with it at that time. Mm -hmm. So it's just us just rea reacting to a mute screen. Yeah, I think nice. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, that's gonna do it for the show. But where can everybody follow you at Soda? So you can follow me in my personal Instagram and Twitter at Soda underscore the underscore Saxman. You can find me on the Schmoes of the North Podcast Network, where I am on pretty much every goddamn show. Um, <laughs> I produce. Let's talk about Star Wars, which at this point our schedule is we do two weeks, we take off two weeks. Um, we have a game coming up where you have to guess the planet, uh, whether it's in Star Wars or not. And if uh, if it's non-Star Wars, you get an extra point for guessing where it's from. So that's the type of game stuff we like to do on that channel. You can also find me on Shooting the Breeze every Saturday morning. You can find me every Monday on Recap in the Past. Currently, myself, Ben Rayner, and Fifty Shades of Geek and our special guest, Jess, are reviewing Doctor Who right now. Oh, nice. And uh, so you can find me there. You can find me on Thursday, Shooting the Breeze. Currently, we're doing our own horror review. We just did Sleepwalkers. And next, and actually coming up this Thursday, we're doing Chopping Mall. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Nice. I, fig I figured I'd go the opposite route, and we do review, like, the – the campy movies and boy was sleepwalkers campy very campy i remember renting that from blockbuster and being like what the heck am i watching and i was like only eight years old at that time or 10 years old yeah. at that time watching that film yeah 
But uh, anyways, guys, if you guys want to go on ahead and follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Night on Facebook underneath the same brand, brand name on Instagram and on Pinterest as well. But before you do that, you guys need to go in and click the link below. Go over to that to the link over there because you know why? We're actually doing a charity event with Two Blur Girls Podcast with St. Jude's to help the kids with cancer and things like that. All the proceeds go over to uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospitals and things like that. So go in and get yourself a Scentsy and you can go on ahead and uh, all the proceeds will go over to uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Of course, you guys can always go ahead, donate to the page. How do you do that? You just go on ahead, go to gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers uh, podcast, and that's how you can donate 5 to $10 over there. But a simple like, a simple share goes a long way over here at Movie Lovers Tonight. So go on ahead, hit that like button, hit that share button, hit that subscribe button, smash that bell on the bottom right-hand corner if you're watching this on YouTube to let you guys know that we have other stuff coming out and other content because like i said tomorrow night eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern time six o'clock pacific time we are doing our review of the shining and then we're gonna probably gonna follow it up with doing dr sleep later on but i have independent director clinton robinson on with me dr- doing that one tomorrow night then of course guys go ahead get an audio only podcast wherever you guys get your podcast from and then of course Go ahead, go over to Good Pods. Good Pods is a great place if you're someone that loves listening to podcasts, if you love podcasts yourself. There's an easy play button over there. You can listen to our podcast. And also, too, you can share the podcast and things like that. And also, too, rate our po- each individual episode to tell us how we're doing, what we're doing wrong, if we're doing anything wrong. And go on ahead, do that. And then, of course, you can follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter and the Movie Lovers Unit 001. I'm sorry, that'll ne- no matter how many times I hear it, that will not make me laugh, <laughs> never not make me laugh. Well, they need to update their settings if they don't want yes. it to be dirty. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep on promoting <laughs> it like this until they do it. It's the best. Movie Lovers Unit. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, you guys can go on ahead, follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter, and then, of course, on TikTok at Movie Lovers Unit 001. And then you can go on ahead, follow me underneath movie. Uh, if you're a sponsor or would like to reach out to the page, all you have to do is email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And that's every way you can reach me at. And thank you again, Soda, for joining me for tonight. I do appreciate it. Anytime. This has man. been a fun episode as usual. So, guys, it's all, it's been real. It's been fun. Have a spooky day and bye bye. Mm-hmm.